Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It was 1916, and Ohio State was entering its senior season in the Western Conference, the forerunner of today's Big Ten. In OSU's first three seasons, the Buckeyes had taken important steps forward. Each year, they improved. Good for sixth-place finish, a fourth-place finish, and last year, a third-place finish, losing only a single game and drawing another. The results were a testament to the coaching of John Wills. Wills was a Badger, but now he was a Buckeye. He may have starred at fullback at Wisconsin and seemed to have his hand in everything as a student. From football to captain of the YMCA, idle moments were not on the menu for Coach Wills. And he led the Buckeyes with pluck and resolve as head man. Wills championed a more open style of game, one that blended the forward pass with the run at a time when his contemporaries were still extremely run-heavy. But for Wilson's early success at OSU, he could not buck the Badgers. Each year, he had come up short against his alma mater. In 1913, the Buckeyes were shut out in Madison. The Badgers came to Columbus the next year and squeaked by with a one-point win. And then, a year ago, in OSU's only loss of the season, Wisconsin delivered a knockout blow, 21 to nothing. It was clear, Wills had a Wisconsin problem. Coach Wills was also looking to break through against another national power, Illinois. Led by coach Robert Zupke, Illinois was a wrecking crew. They obliterated the Buckeyes 37-0 on their way to a national title in 1914. But Wills' OSU team rebounded in 1915, drawing Illinois 3-3 on Ohio Field. Illinois would rebound and go on not to lose a single game that season, finishing 5-0-2. Wills was a smart man. In addition to being coach of the Buckeyes, he was pursuing a medical degree at Ohio State. He was also a man of integrity. His words were frank and sincere. The kind of words, the kind of man, that when he said something, others listened. But while he loved his players and Ohio State, there were things that Wills hated. He hated coarse and salty language often found in locker rooms. He wanted his team to be held to a higher standard. And that language, the blue, off-color language, well, 
That language was beneath greatness. For his team, for his players, for his men, he wanted greatness. Even a word as seemingly harmless as guts was beneath his team, beneath greatness. Like all coaches, Wils wanted his players to play with guts. The kind of guts that would show up on Saturday and knock the Badgers and Illini back down to the damn holes they'd crawled out of. Riding on a streetcar one day, Wils had an idea, a new term, a new mindset to describe the performance he needed from his team to get to that championship level. Wils called it intestinal fortitude. Intestinal fortitude was courage and endurance. No matter how long the odds, how difficult, how hard the task at hand, you would face it fearlessly. And when a setback was suffered, you would push forward, push harder. This, Wils thought, should be the hallmark of his teams. Champions were equal parts character, talent, execution, and motivation. His players, to beat the Illinois of the world, to beat the Wisconsins of the world, to break through where no OSU team had ever gone before in efforts to win a championship, would need to dig deeper than any other Buckeye squad. Wills had his guiding mantra, did the Buckeyes have the intestinal fortitude to be a champion? One player stepping onto the varsity squad for the very first time had shown just the courage and perseverance Coach Wills was looking for. He was born in the Windy City. That fact would be reflected in his simple nickname, Chick, a shorthand version of Chicago. Charles Chick Harley moved from Chicago to Columbus in 1907. Then he was a quiet kid, a scrawny kid, but behind that ordinary boy was a special athletic talent. A daze of motion, a whir of energy, a dazzling display of hand-eye coordination. Pick a sport, football, baseball, boxing, or even pool, the kid had something. Chick was somebody you wanted on your side. And in 1912, when Chick came to East High School in Columbus, he was still a scrawny 5'6", 125-pound kid. There was not a lot to him, especially compared to some of the towering 170-pound players on the football team. But Chick was not meant to stand in the shadows. Coaches soon saw that he could punt the ball 50 yards. With his foot planted in the ground, he could bury Sanders' hapless defenders, leaving them grabbing at ghosts. Chick seemed to have a timeshare in the end zone. While things were looking up on the football field, not every break went Chick's way. Harley's dad was offered a job at the Chicago Tribune. The Harleys were moving, but Chick wanted to stay at East and finish out his football career. After a serious family conversation, the Harleys agreed that Chick could stay in Ohio with the family of John Voorhees. Voorhees had been named captain at East. In his junior and senior year at East, Chick dashed to greatness. Over the next two years, East would not lose one game. Chick enrolled at Ohio State in 1915. Now he was a little bit bigger at 160 pounds and more seasoned. He entered campus as a kind of athlete of folklore, the hero of Columbus set to take OSU to new heights, a five-star number one running back recruit decades before recruiting rankings existed. 
Fans wanted to see chicks suit up for the Buckeyes and were bordering on paranoia that a more established Blue Blood program would try and swoop him up. In fact, there was a rumor going around campus that he was going to Ann Arbor to play for the Maize and Blue. The Lantern, Ohio State student newspaper, gleefully put that rumor to bed. Contrary to reports that have been circulating rather freely about campus and downtown, Chick Harley, one of the best all-around athletes ever turned out by Columbus High School, is enrolled in the university. Harley has been away from Columbus for almost a month and returned last Monday. He did not register for the first week, and this led a number of people to float the rumor that he had decided to enter the University of Michigan. The Lantern added, Harley was out in uniform yesterday afternoon in the scrimmage against the varsity and tore off a 75-yard run for a touchdown. Like all freshmen then, so long as he could cut it in the classroom, Harley would be eligible to play for the varsity his sophomore year. Coach Wills was looking for a new breed of leadership, of courage and character. In 1916, Harley stepped onto the varsity field for the very first time. Could this bright kid from just down the street at East help the Buckeyes finally take the next step against the seasoned teams of the ferocious Western Conference. Could Chick help Wills finally get over the hump against powerhouse Illinois? Could they overcome the nemesis of Wills' alma mater, Wisconsin? Wilson's men practice into the night in a driving rain on Ohio Field. The 1916 season opener was just around the corner. The Buckeyes returned 10 lettermen. Even in the rain, Chick Harley displayed not only his fleet of foot, but his power of foot. He split the uprights with his drop kicks, despite the horrid conditions. The Buckeyes downed Ohio Wesleyan 12-0 in the opener. Wills showed his characteristic creativity. OSU passed 12 times, a jaw-dropping number for the day. The defense was ferocious too, holding Western to zero first downs. Ohio State would have only one more test before Illinois. Oberlin stood in the way. Wills seemed to have Oberlin's number. He had shut out Oberlin three consecutive games and blew them out 25-0 last season. What would happen next would move the needle in the record books to this day. The Buckeyes took the field and annihilated Oberlin, 128 to nothing. That's right, 128 to nothing. Harley accounted for two touchdowns on the day. Of all the games of all the seasons that Ohio State has played throughout history, to this day, that drubbing of Oberlin remains Ohio State's largest margin of victory. Wills knew the season was now just getting started, and he turned his attention to Illinois, a team only two years removed from a national championship, a team he had never beat. Let's pause for a moment. Think of that day, whatever year it was, when you first saw the scarlet and gray. Maybe you were in the horseshoe, awestruck by the roar of the crowd as the team took the field. Maybe you turned on TV and saw the silver helmets alit under a blue-gray autumn sky. Chances are you didn't tune in out of the blue. You tuned in because Ohio State football is more than a sport. It's part of life. An escape from the day-to-day -day where our modern-day gladiators put themselves at immense risk for a game we love. 
It's a tradition that's endured all our lives, and one that will be here long after we're gone. Ohio State football, of course, would not succeed without the support of passionate fans. And the passion of the OSU fan base that exists today, that wasn't always around. The success of the modern program was built on what happened in the 1916 game with Illinois. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The omens for the Buckeyes didn't look great headed into the game. Characteristically, Coach Wills practiced the team hard. Even in the shadow of a 128 to nothing victory the previous week, he still saw flaws. Ohio State was good, but Wills didn't want a good team. Wills wanted a champion. Hustling to field a punt in practice, Chick Harley split open his index finger. It was a nasty injury, but a minor injury in the grand scheme of things. Wills needed Harley and the team at full strength for the coming fight in Champaign. Harley wouldn't miss the game, miss this trip back to his home state for the world. There was a buzz around campus as the massive contest with the Illini approached. A special train would ferry students to the game. The Lantern urged students to make the road trip. To strike the most effective blow, Ohio State needs more than a football team on the Illinois field. She needs a loyal crowd of rooters to cheer the team along. Ohio State needs every man. Go if you can, or if you can't, help send somebody else. 1,200 Buckeye fans saw the team off. They marched to Union Station led by a 40-piece band. The festivities ended with the chimes of Carmen, Ohio. With the cheers behind them, with the last notes of Carmen, Ohio faded, Wills, Harley, and the Buckeyes set off to face their greatest challenge to date. Illinois had talent. All-American Bart McComer stood as a versatile halfback and quarterback. He was joined in the backfield by George Hallis, the future Pro Football Hall of Famer, who would go on to star as a player and coach for the Chicago Bears. But perhaps the most formidable force on Illinois wasn't their players, but their coach, Robert Zupke. Zupke had not lost a conference game in two seasons. The Illini stood as back-to-back -back Western Conference champs. As the team arrived, Illinois coach Zupke tried to psych out OSU. He gave the Buckeyes a tour of the Illinois Trophy Room. The move didn't sit well with the OSU players. Nevertheless, many pundits didn't give the Buckeyes much of a shot to win. After all, the last time OSU visited Illinois in 1914, Wilson's men were pounded 37 to nothing. Rain cascaded down on game day, turning the field into a mud bath. Illinois jumped out to an early 3-0 lead, then added another field goal before the half. Both scores were courtesy of All-American Bart McComer. Ohio State's offense couldn't get anything going at all, but there was still time, and Ohio State 
had a secret weapon. The Buckeyes had the ball late in the fourth quarter now. There would be only one last hope, their last drive. The offense seemed to find another gear led by Harley. Behind dashes and passes, Harley carved up the stout Illini defense. The Buckeyes were moving, almost unbelievably moving, past midfield into the Illinois red zone. The ball sat on the 13-yard line, or was it the 20-yard line? No one could really tell anymore. The field was in such bad conditions, the yard lines replaced by puddles and mud. What was known was that less than two minutes remained, and now, Illinois' defense regrouped. On first down, they stuffed Chick. Second down, third down, passes fell incomplete. It was fourth down. This was it. In the mud, in the muck, in champagne, trailing 6 nothing. in the dying moments of the fourth quarter. Harley received the snap. The linemen soaked in mud, move right, everyone move right, and then Harley pump faked and went left. All day, all damn day, the mud and the muck had been a wrench in the gears of Harley, not allowing him to use his speed to get to the outside. But on this play, in this moment, Harley hit the outside. Chick delivered blows like Mike Tyson in his prime. He greeted one Illinois defender with a stiff arm, another with a juke, and then another, and he took flight from the three-yard line, arms outstretched, diving for the quarter of the end zone. Touchdown, Buckeyes. Illinois was in shock. It was 6-6. Now hardly lined up to finish the job. The kid with the golden moves also had the golden foot and would attempt the game-winning extra point. Coach Wills faced a new challenge. In making a series of substitutions, he had swapped out his regular holder, who was not allowed to re-enter the game for the extra point attempt. As Bob Hunter reports in his book Chick, Kelly Van Dyne offered his services to hold, saying, Hell, throw the damn thing to me. I've never held one before, but I'll hold this one. Well, now there was a holder, but Harley, who had the team's best foot, had another issue on his mind. The field was in poor conditions, and his cleats were covered with mud. Easy solution, he thought. Harley turned to trainer Dot Gurney. Give me a shoe, Harley said. Harley took his sweet time lacing up his new, clean shoe. The ball was snapped, the hold was steady. Harley slammed his foot into the pigskin and split the uprights. Illinois could muster nothing with a little time remaining. Ohio State won 7-6. As OSU players left the field, OSU end Charles Bolin yelled to the Illinois coach, Hey Zup, how would you like to have Harley's shoe for your trophy room? For the first time in program history, Ohio State had beat Illinois. For the first time in more than two seasons, Illinois had lost a conference game. On a mud-soaked field, that Ohio State team had shown the sort of grit and fight, the intestinal fortitude that Coach Wills had long sought to instill. And in the mud, in the muck, on the back of Harley's fourth quarter heroics, the program we know today was born. This wasn't just a victory, it was truly a program-defining win. There was an explosion of interest in Columbus after the game. Football fever gripped the city. Excitement set in for the next matchup, the showdown with Wisconsin on Ohio Field. The demand for tickets was explosive. Lynn St. John announced that Ohio Field would expand to seat 12,000, which would eclipse the all-time attendance record. 
Wils now faced his alma mater in the Badgers, a team he had never beat before. Like OSU, the Badgers entered the game undefeated. Wisconsin was coming off a 30-7 win over the Amos Alonzo Stag coach Chicago Maroons, and Wisconsin was confident of victory. The thinking was that the Badgers would have their way with the Buckeyes. In fact, so confident were the Badgers of victory that their head coach, Paul Withington, didn't make the trip to Columbus. The Badgers head coach instead delegated coaching the game to his assistants and made his way to scout the Minnesota-Illinois game, who the Badgers would play after the Buckeyes. Wills and Harley would make them pay for their disrespect. Behind two Harley touchdowns, including a dazzling 80-yard punt return, the Buckeyes edged the Badgers 14-13. The back-to-back -back victories against Illinois and Wisconsin brought the Buckeyes national attention, and Ohio State was just getting started. Indiana fell 46-7. Case stood no shot at all, shut out 28-0. Now Ohio State stood at 6-0 with only one contest left, a home tilt against Northwestern. A victory there would capture the Buckeyes' first ever Western Conference Championship. Ohio State took the field against the Wildcats in front of a record crowd of 15,000. Behind two Harley scores, OSU dominated the Wildcats en route to a 23-3 victory. For the first time ever, OSU was champions of the West. The Lantern recapped the scene. 15,000 rioting fans yelled unrestrainedly as Harley zigzagged through the broken field, strewing purple bodies in his wake. Ohio State is champions of the Western Conference. The four-year-old baby of the Big Nine stretched and became a full-grown fighting man when he decisively defeated the Northwestern team Saturday. Coach Wills had done it. The man hired to guide OSU football into its transition into the Western Conference had in four short years risen to the top. For the first time, Ohio State's program was being talked of on a national level. OSU, thanks to the class of Chick Harley, was now among the nation's best. With Chick Harley returning next season for his junior year, along with even more talent, the sky was the limit. Now with the program rolling and the fans in Columbus roaring with support, a new test faced the Buckeyes. Would OSU be a flash in the pan, a one-hit wonder, a freak outlier in the normal Western Conference order of things? Or were these Buckeyes poised to win back-to-back -back conference championships? Wills would indeed soon find out the sort of intestinal fortitude his team was made of. They were defending champs and now had a scarlet and gray target on their back. Hey there, thanks for listening to I Want to Go Back, a podcast about the people, places, and events that shaped Ohio State football. I'm your host, Jim Baird. This podcast is part of Land Grant Holy Land's network of Buckeye podcasts. If you did like what you listened to, please feel free to give us a five-star rating and share it with your friends. Music for this season was provided by Fields Ohio, Fool's Fire, and Nick Jados. Thanks to you for really helping bring the, the history of the game to life with your music. A podcast like this builds on great research already out there. If you want to read more, I'd encourage you to check out a couple of things, including the official Ohio State Football Encyclopedia by the legendary Jack Park and Chick, the extraordinary rise of Ohio State football in the tragic schoolboy athlete who made it happen by Bob Hunter. Both of those books were invaluable resources. 
as I put this series together. Thanks, and go Bucks.